it cut me off. I ain't no need to even ask him, bro. When you hit a thousand in data, you get cut off. You hit a thousand? It's impressive. What's up, guys? This is Willie Robertson. You're listening to the Willie Robertson Podcast. Uh, as always, I've got my slobby, hairy assistant with me, Johnny D. Johnny D., how are you? I'm doing good, boss. It's good to see you again. And we have, uh, as our guest today, who's sitting with us uh, for the entire time, my lovely friend, Corey Robertson. Hi there. What's up? We've been filming today, so uh, we've been in the interview chair with each other. Uh, we just got back. Uh, what a week. Uh, we had a trip, and... Um, I did several things on my trip uh, that we're going to talk about. Um, you may or may not have seen me uh, speak at the convention. We're going to talk about that. And uh, a couple other things. And Corey and part of our family went to Africa. So Uganda. Gonna, she went to Uganda. So I'm always glad when she returns from trips like that. We had an awesome time. The people were great. So we're going to hear more about that, uh, what she and Sadie and John Luke and Mary-Kate and um, cousins, and uh, they all went there. And so, you know, we all have our leases in life, and Corey went over to visit orphans, and I had to do other things here in the country, uh, so I wasn't able to make this one. But um, So I want to hear about that. Uh, first off, the trip, uh, so we took a week off of filming. Uh, we were still in production. Uh, people ask kind of how you live your lives um, with the show, and so sometimes we take off and uh, – uh, I took off last week, and Corey and them as well, so they were filming Jason, Phil, and Kay, whoever was left for the show, um, and I had, uh, I bought my brothers uh, some golf clubs and um, at a charity thing, and so me, Jace, Al, and Jep went on a trip, and we were trying to figure out, I don't know that we've ever taken a trip just with the four brothers. Uh, I don't think is, you have. I couldn't think of any. I mean, there's... Used to be we would go on trips, but usually they were planned by someone else, and we would go along with them. So, uh, so I planned it, paid for it all, and um, it was uh, we were going to Phoenix. Uh, we're getting fitted for these golf clubs, and so yeah, just the four of us. And um, it was pretty interesting because we get on the plane, we're going to Phoenix, and um, we the lady comes by and asks us what we wanted to eat. We were on the last row, uh, and I did first class. I figured this whole thing, I'm going to really lay it out for my brothers. And uh, so they get back there, and they say, um, she says, well, I got good news and bad news. We're serving breakfast this morning. Uh, that's the good news. The bad news is we only have one omelet left. So there's four brothers sitting on the row, and there's one omelet left. And so she was like, y'all got to figure out who gets the omelet. Or you can have. Back uh, in your high school years, that would have been a fist fight. Of course it would have. So. The other option was oatmeal, fruit, like yogurt, and crap like that. So, obviously, none of us wanted that, except for Jep. And, uh, <laughs> true. So, there's one omelet. So, I just threw out there, I figured, this should be obvious, right? Whoever bought all the plane tickets... Gets the omelet. Gets the omelet, right? I mean, you would think we would... Jason. I think that's that. a reasonable assumption. Right. Yeah. So I said, I, I figure whoever paid for the flights gets out all right. And I thought, you know, oh, you're right. Good call. Oh, no. Jace. Well, Al and Jeb. Well, I was like, yeah, of course. And Jeb was like, I like oatmeal, so I'll take this anyway. But, yeah, that's a good deduction. Jace is like, well, I don't really want that omelet. <laughs> well, now we have a situation. So the lady's looking like, well, <laughs> he says he wants it. You say you obviously should get it. So then Jay, so Jay, hang on. So Jay, uh, 
I got Seth sneaking up behind me here like a little ninja. Gotcha. Um, he's taking him, photos. Getting he's those taking photos. photos for the internet. So Jay says, well, we can split it. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had the luxury of being on a flight and getting a breakfast. They're not it ain't Waffle House, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's just enough to say, hey, you know, I technically ate a meal. Splitting that's like saying you ate a egg for breakfast. No, I got like half a yolk and, you know. and. Good. And I have my own seasoning. I carry my own seasoning on planes as well. So we end up splitting the omelet. Y'all split it? No. You actually, split it? Well, well yeah. I mean, you it was pay awkward. for the trip. I pay for the trip and split, and the, you split omelet. the omelet. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Wow. So the lady in front of us. Now, I didn't find out the lady. So the lady in front of us says, Willie can have my omelet. Oh, that's he, so And nice. she's actually about like, hey, he paid for the trip. For all you. I mean, <laughs> people knew who we were. We're all having this argument, and people are laughing. She's like, he can have my omelet. I'm like, thank you very much. This strange lady who I don't even know sitting in front of him is willing to give me the omelet. But your own brother. Your own brother's like, no. no. So I thought there was two omelets. Well, Jay still did you take the lady's omelet? No. Of course I did. But Willie look. Robertson. <laughs> she flies all the time, I what? think. I mean, you should have politely think. declined. She didn't need that omelet. So look. Oh, my goodness. Here's the deal. So there should have been two omelets. Right. Then the lady, I kid you not, the stewardess says, we're sorry, there is only one omelet left. The other one, there's an egg problem. What's an egg problem? <laughs> What's an egg problem? <laughs> it is. There's an egg problem. Well, you don't Well, then obviously, no, you're like, there's egg an egg problem. Give me the fruit. So we split the omelet. And, uh, so I would have eaten that oh omelet. My goodness. That's how the trip started off. So then we well, I thought up- that was very nice of you to take your brother's. That, yeah, that well, good. thank you very much. You would have given. Well, me you know, on right? Duck Dynasty, you know, people only see the side of you where you're like the boss and all that. But well, sadly, they, they need see to see the, side the good that ate side too of the omelets. That's the side they see me, and they probably think I should have eaten oatmeal. But <laughs> Jeb just pours like a cup of sugar on. I'm like, hey, bro, it's <laughs> no better. I mean, yeah, that's the only way you can eat oatmeal is pour <laughs> sugar all over it. So we end up going to Phoenix. Uh, we play golf, and as karma does i beat jason both rounds which was good uh i was the overall winner we played two rounds of golf in one day temperature 113 degrees oh that's big that's time. rough i'm out that's, that's big time however it was a it's a dry heat you know and they say it, and it was yeah. hot but i never sweated did you sweat you no. really didn't sweat weird. did not sweat wow I, it's, and i it's it's hotter in louisiana it's hotter here when it's a hundred degrees, then it's then it is in Phoenix. I got asked if I went swimming the other day, and I was like, "No, I just played basketball." It was I was that wet here. So it's I, hot. Oh yeah, I don't understand. It's different here. So it was a good trip, and uh, so then from there, um, my brother split off, went back home, and I flew straight to Cleveland. Okay, so I was asked to give the first speech of the Republican National Convention of the week. And so it was on Monday. It's a pretty was, big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Huge. And I was I was nervous. So we had worked on the speech, and uh, but uh, I didn't have time for Johnny D to print it out for me. So I have no hard copy of the speech. I just have it on my phone. So I've read it, but I was like, I'm going to have to read this. Now, as growing up, when I would really want to learn something, I would just write it out, you know, to help me. Like if I studied, I'd, so I was going to write my speech out, hard copy, and I would study what I'd written. Plus, when you write something, you're supposed to remember it more. So I wrote this whole speech out, and I've got the plane ride from Phoenix to Cleveland to lock it in, you know, and I was hoping I wouldn't be sitting beside, you know, Chatty Pants or something we wanted to talk, because I was like, i got to lock in. This chatty is my, Pants? Yeah. I've never heard people. of that term, Chatty, chatty pants. pants. You've never sat I mean, like three terms lately. She's pants? like, I've never chatty heard Chatty Kathy, but not Chatty Pants. Chatty Pants. Who is Chatty Kathy? 
I've never heard that. Chatty you ever heard Chatty Cathy? That's a, isn't that a cartoon, like a comic strip? I think it was a doll, but... Someone should check on that. I don't that. know. So Chatty Pants. Well, <laughs> I used one the other day that... Oh, fisticuffs. Oh, I, at the, that yeah. was in my speech. And Corey's like, I've never heard of fisticuffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard it, but like... In like an old western Oddly, movie, or in like a night. But now she said she's heard of it. Now, I didn't see? say I never heard of it. I just said it's like not a phrase that people use nowadays. I don't know if anybody was going to know what that means. Fisticuffs, of course. Uh, it's an older person thing. It's an old. No, there was thing. another. But he still one I uses hard copies on everything too. So I write stuff out. <laughs> I would have had it Prints printed. Everything, yeah. So anyway, I'm on the plane. As people are coming by, some people recognize. Hey, Willie, Willie for president, all this stuff, and so. Um, <laughs> My my favorite is uh, the person who's asked me where I'm going, and I'm like, Cleveland, you're on the same plane with me. <laughs> yeah, somebody to... asked you that on the plane. Yeah, like where are you going? I'm like Cleveland. Ah, oh, me too. That's weird. I'm like, yeah, I know. We we both bought tickets to the same. <laughs> you never, people ask stop. me all the time, where am I going? And I guess maybe they're. Like if you're they going mean, to a- like, what are you going to do, probably? Probably. When so. you if you're going to Atlanta, though, it's I just think it's funny question. when you're on a plane to, you know, yeah. Monroe, and they're like, where are you heading? I'm Monroe. <laughs> oh, no, me too. It's weird. I know. We're on the plane together. Let's we stop somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so we're so we're heading there. So some people are, so the lady beside me, I don't know if she knew who I was or not. I'm not sure. And she's smiling. Like, you know, I think she gets, she probably Googled or something. Like, who's this guy beside me? So we're about 30 minutes deep on the flight, and I just keep looking at this speech over and over and over. So the first thing she says, she leans over and says, Hey, are those letters from little children that you're reading that they write to you? And I said, No, ma'am, this is the speech I'm giving tomorrow night for the convention. Judged on the handwriting alone, she thought it was written (laughs) by (laughs) five-year-olds. When then her face turns red, she's oh. super embarrassed. She goes, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I said, no, it's fine. I just, my handwriting is not Your great. handwriting is really oh, bad. Oh, man. But she so thought it was mine. letters from anything. children. And I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm giving the first speech at the Republican National <laughs> Convention. And this is what I'm going off of. This is the speech. <laughs> so I get there. I spoke to, um, so then, now here's what happened. So I, I was just going to speak. So in my mind, I was like, okay, we're going that night. I was supposed to go practice. Um so I did, I read two rounds because it's on a teleprompter and just trying to get through. And the guy's like giving me tips, you know, like, you may not want to use your hands. I'm like, bro, I'm a hand user, so don't, you know, do a lot of interviews and I'll start jacking with my brain. But then I was going to sleep and just lock in on the deal. Well, then somehow I get locked in to go and just speak and I'm speaking at two breakfasts and I'm like, oh, what time am I getting out? Oh, you got to be there at 730. I'm oh. like, oh, shoot, now I got to get up early and give speeches well i don't yeah. have another speech like i don't have a speech for that i don't want to give them the speech yeah, i'm but gonna you give can talk. i mean you people know say that you speech. get up in front of 400 talk. people it's not it's not like you just i'm not a politician i don't have these speeches out so the first one was to the georgia delegation now how on earth i end up in the georgia who knows and um so with I ben show, carson who with i love ben carson and i told him i said i told this group that you were back in ben carson i was so I got Ben Carson. So now, so I told the guy in charge, I said, my goal is just to be more energetic than Ben Carson. Because, I, I mean, you talk about two different cats. You get Ben Carson up there, like, sleeping through his, and then I got to, like, so I, now I really got to turn it on. But I, now I'm wasting all my energy for the speech tonight because now I got just got to one-up Ben Carson. And so if you I, can't one-up energy on Ben Carson, though, then what are you doing? So I get up, and I basically just tell, and I'd never done this speech before, I basically just tell 
pretty much the story of this whole campaign election, the story with Phil and Ted Cruz when I met Trump, when the first time I went to a convention and was on TV and I was super excited and now I end up, you know, that I'm speaking at the convention. I think it went well. Uh, ben Carson was laughing. Good. Uh, kept his attention. He didn't fall asleep. So, uh, Well, are you going to tell about whenever you first went to the convention and you were standing behind Megan Kelly and you were, like, calling me? I think I've already me? told that story. Oh, we I, told that? Maybe you should subscribe to the podcast, Corey. Oh, uh, whoops. Corey doesn't listen to the podcast, but I have told that story. Uh, <laughs> okay. So um, I'll, I will listen, I promise. Yeah, I think it was before I went to the convention. It was I think. Uh, I teed it two I, weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Good job. Corey was in I've been Africa. in Africa. I've been in Africa. That's I've been in Africa everything. helping That's children. For everything. Helping children. <laughs> So it was good. Then I went and spoke to the Louisiana delegation. And now this one was trickier because, you know, as you all know, you know, we had police officers shot. So in the state, it's always hard. You're, you're at the convention. People are, it's a wild chaotic. You know, these are, you know, political, you know, most unpolitical nerds, let's face it. So, but this is their big at once every four years. So, and I wasn't sure, but the people in Louisiana were awesome. And I said, can we just laugh? And I did address, you know, um, and just shared the pain that, you know, we have in this state and other states, too, Texas and Florida. I mean, there's people who are going through this tragic stuff. But so I told some funny stories and we just laugh, you know, because you got to laugh and just, I mean, still be yourselves. And uh, so it was good. So then I go back to my hotel room, pretty much just sat or laid in the bed for six hours. Or I had seven hours. Remember, like I've got seven hours now before I'm up on this stage. And well, you can't exactly walk around because it's. Can't walk, yeah, there, right? well, it's packed, yeah, and so when you're so speaking. So many people, and, yeah. So I just, in the, and I about every 15 minutes, and I'm watching the convention, so I'm watching on television, yeah. so it's making me even more nervous because I'm, like, I'm thinking I'm fixing to be on that stage. And how many people are there? How many people are, like, in the arena? A thousand, I mean, I don't know, it's like 30,000, I don't know, a bunch, I mean, 10,000, uh, It's Quicken Loans, that's probably about 25. 25, I mean, but there's more people than normal because the whole uh, floor is people. Yeah, it's the floor. It's not just the stands, it's also the floor, and the thing was packed. So, uh, so I'm watching, I keep going through my speech, going through my speech, and um, so I finally, and they want you to get down there early, so I head down there for you know, like two hours early. Well, in the green room, it's like there's other speakers and people connected and all that. Well, the problem, now we're back to chatty, but everybody wants to talk, which is great, except that I'm gripping going... This is all cool, but I like right before I wanted to like lock in. So I just said, "Well, we're gonna have to trust the teleprompter, trust everything." And so I'm the first one out. And the main thing is, I wanted to say a prayer like before we started. I figured if I was the first speaker, well, then I kind of like I'm in the I'm backstage and I hear they have a guy doing a prayer. And I thought, oh shoot. He's doing a prayer, then I'm gonna come out and leave with a prayer. So I just said, I'm still. You going cannot to have too many prayers. You can't have too many prayers. So I threw another one up, uh, and then got through the speech. And what's weird is it was only like a three minute speech, so it's really fast. But you're not when you're right before you go. It seems like it's gonna be eternity. But then at, by the end, I'm like, man, this thing was quick and it's over. And uh, and so I go backstage. And Marcus Luttrell was supposed to speak after me. And Marcus and I are good friends. He's been on the podcast. Corey and did, Melanie was Corey with me in Uganda. And Marcus's wife was with Corey in Uganda. So and y'all didn't even know each of you Neither one of us knew we were speaking. We talked about it when we were there. I was like, oh, Willie's speaking at the convention. And she's like, so is Marcus. So I had and we to were back you. to back. Right. I texted so, you and said, you need to call Marcus. So then they said he was speaking right. Well, I come back there. Well, Rick Perry's there, the, the former governor of Texas. I said, Governor Perry's, where's Marcus? Still not here yet. Trying to get here, stuck in traffic. I'm like, are you kidding? So they moved Scott Bayo 
to the number two slot. Mm-hmm. And so we're still waiting on Marcus. Marcus comes in. I kid you not. His arms behind his back. He's trying to put his coat on. He's got the craziest look in his eye. He just got off a plane. They just dropped him off. He hasn't looked at the – he doesn't even have a cl- – he looked straight through me, doesn't even see me. And they're like – and as soon as he's trying to, like, look at the paper, governor goes out and introduces him. So Marcus's speech, and if you saw it, he starts trying to read it. Then he's just like, screw it. I'm just coming <laughs> from the heart. And everybody's like, oh, no. I'm like, he's all script, boys. But he did unbelievable mm-hmm. and so much better than me because I had seven hours sit there and prepare and read it. And Marcus had just spoken in Vegas earlier. So crazy day. I was so, and I was so glad because I was in Phoenix. We are playing golf. I was having fun with my brothers. And then I was heading to Lake Tahoe to play in the uh, – the American Century Golf Tournament, Celebrity Golf Tournament. I played last year. And um, so it was like I've got this kind of vacation, but right in the middle, I've got this giant thing that just stresses me out. So I couldn't wait for it to be over. And but when, you when did it was great. Over, you didn't seem stressed out at all. You were, like, totally natural up there. You did great. It seemed, it seemed good. So it was good. So, Johnny D, you watched on TV. And Marcus was great. I watched on TV. Uh, so I'm, this is a perspective I didn't have. I missed the first 30 seconds. How, why would you miss what? hashtag Bill O'Reilly? Wouldn't hey? He had so they so if you were watching was Fox News, if you were watching Fox News, so O'Reilly, was O'Reilly was getting his FaceTime, and you could see Willie back there, just his mouth moving, but you didn't know what he was saying. So then I'm freaking out. I'm like, change the channel, change the channel. And then I found like some, it was like some lucky live stream channel. I was at like my in-laws' house, and they got weird TV. So then I had a live stream with no commentary. I was like, perfect, but. So I, I'll say the last two and a half minutes were great. I don't know about the first 30 seconds. They could be terrible. So, Corey? So, okay, so I was in Uganda, which it was like 3 a.m. when you spoke because it's eight hours time difference. So I was sleeping through it. But I woke up the next morning for breakfast, and I went in, and Melanie had woken up at 3 a.m. to listen to Marcus, and she <laughs> totally beat me on wife skills. Although she said she didn't listen to markets because she was too nervous, so she just like checked Twitter and read people's comments and stuff. But she did at three a.m. Always great. I know exactly. But um, she has some kind of crazy data plan or something because she was on her phone the whole time, and I was scared because I was racking up the data charges. So I had turned my data off. Well, then I wake up and Melanie's already like been online and read all the commentary and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, I have to do it too. So I turn my data back on, and I'm not kidding you. I watched the three-minute speech, and I had a little ding, and it said, you've spent $500 in data charges. It's a $500 speech So that's how much I love you. I spent $500 to watch your three-minute speech. to watch me. Well, and so you thought it it went good? I was very proud. I was was a very proud wife. Was $500? Well, I mean, you know, I, mean, I could have watched it when I got home, home but, yeah. you know, I didn't know it was going to cost $500, but I'm going to have a talk with the um, cellular like service thing. Unlike both y'all, I still haven't seen it. You haven't watched it? I haven't it? watched the speech. Really? Well, I was there. I it did tonight. it. I just didn't. I, it's, it's weird. I didn't want to even. Um, it's, it's a weird deal. So, yeah. Um, but I was nervous. But I, let me tell you, I was not near as nervous. Not near as nervous giving that speech, 35 million viewers, all those people in there, as when I got to Lake Tahoe and had to tee up the <laughs> golf ball in that first tee box with about 2,000 people watching you because you got to make contact, hit it. Now, that would make me really nervous. Straight <laughs> shanked it right to my first one. I was, I was on that driving range for two hours practicing. 
And I get over there, and my, I mean, my palms are sweat. I cannot keep my hands dry and teed it up. But we had a fun time at the golf tournament. Now, last year at the Lake Tahoe tournament, I won the closest to the pin, sponsored by Corbell Champagne. I don't even know I'm in the tournament. I mean, I don't even know I'm in this contest. There's like 12 people. It's like Justin Timberlake, Alfonso Rivera. So they called me out there, like, and Willie Robertson, Larry the Cable Guy. And you I'm beat the, Alfonso, I'm the second which was dude. exciting. Well, okay, Corey's jumping to the punch on my oh, story. I'm sorry. But, uh, so <laughs> I'm the second guy. Uh, yeah, I know this whole story. Now, now Hashtag like, spoiler alert. Now, yeah, now we know. I'm going to well, tell the whole story. Well, you said you won. And the boy you shoots his dog you at the won. end of Old Yeller. You so Alfonso is first. He tees up. He hits. I throw two balls out. First one's like seven feet. Although he argued with me this year saying, oh, I would have beat everybody last year because – and I'm like, no, nah, I think I was seven feet. And he said, no, nah, you weren't seven. I was like, well, I had to be somewhat close because I won the thing. So, he, But he and I were arguing. So <laughs> he won seven feet, go through everybody, yada, yada. I win the thing. So I got this giant thing of Corbell. And they said, Willie, just spray it all over everybody. So I'm spraying everybody with the champagne. And probably looking back, it was dumb. But I sprayed. They got a little Corbell bear, like a, like a mascot, right? No, okay. a big bear, like, like a, a big, mascot, like, a, like, like a someone big, dressed in the costume. Right, and it's like a big cotton thing. I literally put a gallon of champagne <laughs> on that fabric. Gross. Guess who wasn't there this year? <laughs> the bear. Bear's gone. <laughs> Somebody ruined the costume. <laughs> he wasn't there. The, no, I keep, the bear wasn't there. Out. The bear, and I thought, why did I spray this bear to like... Homebro's got to take it off and like, oh, that stinks like, oh, shit. <laughs> but Gross. I sprayed him down. I sprayed him. So funny part. So then we're going to do this thing for NBC where, you know, they filmed it. And I've got this giant check. So as the winner, I get to give money to the charity. You know how they do. It's a donation. Nobody's. To, it's not my money, but it's Corbell yeah. giving money. But I'm the one who gets it, to say. On your behalf. Right, on your on behalf. On my behalf. And uh, so. <laughs> I got the check. Well, look, I don't know what the charity is. I have no idea what this is. What am I contributing? My face is behind it. I look down at the check. It says Lake Tahoe Wildlife Association. And I'm like, wildlife? What? Is, this is awesome. Like, did they pick this charity based on me or whatever? And um, so I said, what, what is this charity? What do they do? And the guy said, well, there's the lady. And I said, ma'am, what do you do? And she says, we help wounded and injured animals back into the forest. <laughs> then the irony of me handing this check, because I'm in the hunting business, me handing this check to her, I know that lady was looking at the group going, please don't let that guy win because he's going to give the check. But guess what? Winner. I have a very special set of skills that uh, can hit a golf ball close to a pin. So I gave the check. I thought it was so funny. The guy, the commentator from NBC was laughing, going, this is so funny that you're giving that check uh, to them. But And we have a nice trophy of a big bottle of yeah, champagne. Yeah, they sent me it's a giant nice. trophy, and uh, it was awesome. I had and a great time. And for the time. record, we love Alfonso, and we were really – But I was. I t- and I said in my interview, I said, I'm so glad I beat Alfonso because it was basically me getting back at him for winning – for beating the stars, Sadie, for beating with the stars, yeah. So then I beat him <laughs> at golf, although he's a better golfer than I am. But not that day. That day, uh, so I had That's fun. I, I improved on last year's score. Last year I was plus three, which is negative, which is bad. This year I was zero, which is better. I was, I think I finished fifty third out of ninety something. So I'm improving. Uh, I played matters. with Larry the Cable Guy, Rob Riggle. Uh, that was the fun group. 
Then I get to David Wells and Roger Clemens the second day. Now, we had fun because David Wells is one of the funniest people I've ever hung out with in my life, okay? Can't repeat a lot of what he said on the podcast, but uh, funny, uh, funny, but definitely that athlete. And I'm used to hanging out with LaRoche and all the athletes in hunting camp, so uh, uh, great guys. And last day I played with uh, Michael Waltrip. Speaking mm-hmm. of Dancing with the Stars. So you got Alfonso there. It was like a reunion. I should have taken Sadie out. Uh, he and Brian Vickers, I was with the NASCAR boys. And uh, um, so it fun trip. Greg, I got to see a lot of celebrities. Uh, Bella. Uh, Bella called me personally to ask me how to uh, talk to Justin Timberlake. And, and uh, Steph Curry. And Steph Curry. Yeah, they were very So I was able to speak to both of them good. and let her know that I'm still I think kinda, she called you like every day you I'm, were there. I'm kind of cool, <laughs> right, because I got to say hello there. I'd met Steph Curry. He's with Under Armour, and we had met at an Under Armour event. And uh, Justin Timberlake, nicest guy. Um, uh, and talked to Alfonso a lot. Alfonso's wife was there. And so, yeah, it was just, you know, you meet these people. Jeremy Roney. I mean, all these people that... You know, I've met, and they're kind of like a family. Charles Barkley, uh, very nice and welcoming, and uh, it's a fun time. And a lot of Duck Dynasty fans are out there in the in the uh, Reno, Tahoe area. Um, but it was good. But I was glad I wasn't walking with Steph Curry because that was a madhouse. There's a lot of Golden State Warrior fans. And the- Every little kid had a little Steph Curry jersey on. So uh, chaotic but good. And uh, and I was missing my family. I was so glad to get back uh Roll back in, so I was gone. I, that was all one trip, and uh, while Corey was gone to Africa, so Corey, tell us about Africa. What did you guys do? And um, I've heard some of the stories and seen some of the photos. So, what exactly um, do you do on a trip like that, and, and why do you do it? So we had an amazing trip. So I went with Missy, my sister-in-law, my mom, Melanie Latrell. And then John Luke and Sadie, Reed and Cole and Brighton, and a group called Help One Now that actually I'm on the board of. And I've traveled with them quite a bit, and I just love the work they do. They're just doing amazing work all around the world in eight different countries around the world. And um, they really, what they do is just come alongside a local leader that's doing good work in their country and help them do what they, you know. Help them now help yeah help one now so that's really um what they do now they're they were set up in uganda they yes they've they been in uganda with, uh, for quite now a these while are what orphanages or well we visited a school called his mercy school over there that um help one now supports and there's a pastor over there his name is pastor edward and is really his vision and to start this school and you know education and educating kids you know from a young age is just do they have parents or no parents? Um, or? The kids at the school, yeah, no, they have parents. They're from a community. Now, there is a dormitory. And one of the things that we really hope to do from this trip, and we're, we have been pushing it on social media, trying to raise the money. So they're in the school. They also they do have a boarding school for kids who either are orphaned or whose home situation is just, you know, makes it not good for them to be at home. And so um, we went into this room. There are 21 girls living in this room, and I'm not kidding you. It was smaller than most American bedrooms where you have one kid. 21 girls. They had their bunk beds stacked three high. Um, it was just, you know, a situation where you just look and you're like, appreciate what we have. How can we ever complain about anything whenever, you know, we are so blessed as a country and as a people. And, um, and so one of our goals is to build a dormitory for those girls, and we want to build it big enough to hold 60 because there is a need for more kids to be able to live at the school whose home environments just 
are, are not good for whatever reason. And so we have a dream to build a dormitory for them, and it only costs $50,000 to build a dormitory for 60 girls. Yes. You blew 500 watching my speech, so <laughs> I know, I know. It have saved a child right there. I mean, I mean, the difference is just unbelievable. Talking to, I was actually talking to one of the guys there who lives there. Um, he's American, and he and his wife have lived there for like four years. And we were talking about like dental hygiene and things like that. And he said, well, you know, toothpaste is expensive, so most can't afford toothpaste, which I thought, isn't that crazy to think about like toothpaste as being a luxury item? That's like if you could possibly afford it. I mean, in America, we don't even think about toothpaste. It's like a, mm-hmm. you just throw it in your in your shopping cart as a normal thing right. you buy. But over there, toothpaste is a luxury. Wow. They, they said that um, there's only 20% employment rate in Uganda, and those who are employed live on a, like, actually make a dollar a day. That's so, insane. Yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And also, y'all got to do some fun stuff. Now, tell we me about the rapids. Oh, uh, my goodness. That was so fun. So the last day, Pastor Edwards was like, you can't come to Uganda without floating down the Nile River. Do you want to see the beauty of our country? And the country is beautiful. I would recommend anybody going to visit Uganda. It's a beautiful country. The food was good. We just had a great time. We loved it. The food but was good? The food was good. The food was really good. Those are good food. I mean. What kind of food are we talking about? Beans and rice and, like, all kinds of fresh. Beans and rice? They grow tons of things over there, like bananas and, like, fresh. There's this, like, stuff called jackfruit that actually kind of tastes like juicy fruit gum, but it was a fruit. And their avocados are, like, giant. Like, avocados the size of your head. <laughs> for real. <laughs> but they grow. What does anybody they have They grow tons of vegetables. Avocado for? What? Well, I like avocados. Was there it meat? was good. Can't put that they on the chicken. Sandwich. They made chicken. chicken. Yeah, yeah. They cooked. Chicken. I just wanted you. I wasn't ready for that. And the food was all. Oh, the food was like, great. Well, it was. It was good. And um, but they had this they, kind of bread that, like, they called like ciabatta bread. And in the mornings, they would make eggs and like wrap it in this bread, and it was really yummy. So you floated anyway, down the water. Now, so the last day we floated on the Nile River, and they were making floating's jokes. Floating's a bad word. Yeah, for the exactly. I saw. Not floating. It was there was some floating, but mostly it was like hanging on for dear life. Oh, this is like you know. Well, the, the whole way there, stuff, like, for real. Like, trying to get away <laughs> No, from the whole way there, they, like, they kept joking, like, oh, if we live through it, ha, 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 <laughs> if we live through it, and we're thinking that this is all a joke. Then we get on the boat, and um, and now Missy and Sadie are not quite sure about this because they're, you know, they're not exactly the daredevils on the water. Mm. And so they're a little nervous about it to begin with, and then we get in the boat, and the guy starts training us, and he says, okay, we're going to practice what's going to happen if we flip. And we're like, oh, like, so there's a possibility we'll flip. He's like, well, it's likely that we will flip. And so I'm not kidding. The look on Missy's face, I've never seen. She, like, was, like, wanting to back out. I was like, there's no backing out. You're on the river. You can't go backwards, you know. There's no reverse here. Are there, like, crocodiles everywhere? They said there were not crocodiles in this That's area. What say, That's what yeah. they say. But uh, Crocodiles aren't hanging out. No, because. Water. Right. The but water's moving. It's slow at some, but it's not all fast. Well, it was, it was, there was times when we had to paddle, but mostly we're, were riding. There were no crocodiles in that area. They is said this river they clean did or have. Is it like I don't know. I swallowed a lot of Nile River. Oh my! God. I know that oh, for sure. Oh no! But I haven't been sick. So we go. So we train <laughs> a little bit, and then we go. And the first one he said is a grade five rapid or class five rapid, which is like 
the worst, like that's, the hardest. That's right? double black diamond. Yeah, for exactly. All you out that's there. right. That's what this is. He's like, that's the first one. And he tells us, okay, if you fall out, like if you're under the boat, we practice like breathing under the boat and like hang on and where to swim to and what to do. Yes. Breathing under the boat. There's yes. no breathing under no, the there's boat. there's a pocket of air. There's a pocket oh, of air. You, you stick your head up. You yeah. go up inside the boat. Yes, right. Okay. Exactly. So Africa, we had to practice like, all that. There ain't a lot of, you know, ain't like OSHA stuff. You know, it's not, it's like, yeah. you could die. Yeah. <laughs> there's not so even we a go to, It was the most fun <laughs> thing I've ever done. I loved it. So you go down the first one. It is like a waterfall. And you land, and the water just swooshes over you, and you come out. You don't know if you're, like, in the boat, out of the boat, who's in. You look around. It's like, assess the who's all still left in the boat. And um, I look back at Sadie, and her face, I will never forget her face. She was had her eyes closed, and she's, like, breathing, like, with her mouth open. And then she opens her eyes. She thought she had fallen out and was under the boat. So she was, like, trying to get breath. <laughs> it was so funny, but we had the best time. And so there were eight rapids as we come down the thing. And then in between, and there was a part that we got, he said we could all get out and we just like floated. We just like laid in our life jackets and floated down the Nile river. It was beautiful. Huh. And there were people on the side, like there would be these little islands and there all of a sudden it was the cutest thing. There'd just be like these little kids just standing on the edge of this island and we're like, how do they live? Like, how did they said they just traded? They would trade fish as people float by. They come to the the edge with their fish, and they trade fish for like the items that they need to live. Huh. It's just a totally simpler different. way to live. And, and there but were, the people and there, there, were, there and there were bats, huh? Oh my gosh, that was the, that was the scariest part to me. Like the rapids were just fun. And once we fell out the first time, it was like, okay, you know, you can survive falling out. But um, the we start pulling up, and there is a an island that is covered with bats. I'm not kidding. Thousands and thousands of bats just flying above the island. And it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. And I asked the guys, like, are, are y'all scared of bats here in Uganda? And he was like, no. Like, okay. He said, that's where we're going to eat lunch on this island with that's covered. I said, we're, I, I, I thought he was joking. I was like, ha ha. You're going to no. eat the bat or you're going to eat with the, we well, why would you pick a stopping point where there's millions of bats, like, I, crapping all over everything? Like, oh, that's, that's a good place where, to eat. That's where the little cabana was that we were eating. See, we that's stopped. the you know, Somebody's got to plan that out better, you know. <laughs> he said the bats are only there, like, certain times a year, but this apparently was the time of year the bats were So as we're pulling up, we're all looking up at the bats, and all of a sudden, plop, plop. Bat pooped in Missy's eye. In her eye. Like, landed in her eye. Uh, now, she handled that much more calmly. Like, she was freaking out of the rapids, but if that would happen to me, like, I don't know if I'd have been that calm. She was very calm about it, and she was fine. If but you would have come home telling me that you had bat feces in your eye. From Africa. I think I'd have had to put a little arm's length <laughs> for about two months. <laughs> Or like yeah, Clorox right. you down, <laughs> that stiff arm, power wash you out in the yard. <laughs> and then while we're eating lunch, you look over and you think a tree is like full of leaves. No, it's bats hanging from the tree. No, that's insane. So and it looked like a horror movie, but it was one. so cool. What I'm glad is that you know, our kids get to experience seeing you know mm-hmm. getting crapped on by bats and being over <laughs> there in africa i mean because it's a totally different way of life and yeah. i wish all american children could experience right. how other people on this planet live and I, surely surely mm-hmm. you'd have to appreciate 
the things we have and living in America. We visited a couple of homes that this Help One Nail has helped to build. And when I tell you home, I mean, it's probably a 15 by 15 space. And that's the whole entire home is that size. One of them had um, six children of their own and four children that they had or were fostering or adopted because they were orphaned. So they had 10 children in this little 15 by 15 space. How many orphans were in another a, home? Uganda, like 2 uh, million? There are like 2 million, two orphans, million orphans in Ooh. Uganda. And then another home we went to that we had um, helped to build um, was a lady who had been widowed three times. Three husbands had died, and she had seven children living in that home. And um, it was just unbelievable. You're just, you're just like in awe of these women and these men who were just, you know, surviving and taking their care of their children and educating their children through a lot of adversity. And here we are complaining about we have too much laundry or, you know, <laughs> whatever. I mean, really, you know, I mean, we can compl- find the littlest things to complain about. And, right. um, but or it was so much fun. to see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so these people are just glad to have toothpaste. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it back safely. And, uh, it's quite a week. So, uh, Back home now, uh, back in the grind, back filming Duck Dynasty and, um, you know, trying to make TV, but also trying to, you know, help the world in, in different ways. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful that uh, you, you know, went on the trip, uh, took the kids. And like I said, we've mentioned trips we've been on before, Dominican and Guatemala. And so just I wish to you really would have been there to dance, though, because uh, yeah, the church services were a little different. They danced. All, we danced all week long. Like, the greeting dance, the greeting when we pulled up to the school, the greeting song lasted 45 minutes. I'm not kidding you. And it was, like, full-on dance. Like, I was, like, sweating by the end of it. But and it was really fun. Too? Yeah, we danced. We joined in with them. They taught us some of their African moves. Maybe we should African start moves. Just, like, invite some friends over. And as they pull up, we're just out there dancing. Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best welcome ever. It was so much fun. It was great. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, well, we're back, and uh, so we had a crazy week, um, and just like I said, trying to help people, and uh, we'll go to the word of the Lord. All right, today's verse is from Psalm 149, verse 3. This is all based on Corey's and my family's trip to Africa. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. Hope you have a good week, guys.